This is Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Eric Siepen, and I am pastor of the Village Church. And across from me is Andy Littleton in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. I would say that. And he is pastor yep. of Mission Church. As opposed to the other Andy Littletons elsewhere. Yeah, there are probably more than one Andy Littleton in the world. There are. There yeah, are. I know that. Yeah, I've, I have Googled it, and there are others. I am not alone. There, I think, is only one Eric Seepen. Yeah, there aren't a lot of Andy Littletons, but there are some. Yeah. There are some. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, what does the last name Seepen mean to uh, get us, get yeah, us going here? Yeah, there are two two things that it means. One, it means peace. Ooh. But more commonly, it's a word that's used for uh, a climbing pick. Oh. You know, a nice pick that you yeah. when you're doing it. So it, 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 if oh. you go look up a Seepen, it's a it's a nice pick. Wow. But there's also the city of Seepen, and it's for peace. Oh, but uh, yeah, nice. but you know, here's an interesting story. Since you asked me that question, and we'll end with I guess <laughs> a story about my last name. My family immigrated here, you know, uh, three generations ago, and they were convinced. And all their research before the interwebs that they were the only seepins in the world. And so one Christmas, I told my parents, I'm, I'm like, I've been doing research. There are a lot of seepins. There's at least 250 of them. Uh-huh. And my parents are like, what? Well, so I said, yeah, let's look them up. Well, most of them are Hispanic. Interesting. So we called a few on Christmas. And uh-huh. since my brothers are fluent in spanish they began to chat with them there are a lot of first and second generation seepins who've immigrated up from mexico and jamaica and so there's lots of different nationalities and so i think during the spanish inquisition we were probably either partially jewish we fled out of europe and into these different areas in south america and jamaica and now here we are in the united states wow well, that was a cool uh, wow. <laughs> little discovery of my family. Man. Yep. Well, that's a, hey, that that's fun totally facts, <laughs> fun facts from Eric. Nothing we, to do with the banner or yeah, but, same sex stuff. But we jumped into our, uh, into a conversation because the banner, which is a denominational magazine that both gets shipped to both of our churches, uh, had a thing about same sex relationships on it. And we got, had a lot of conversations about the gospel and various Um, ways that that relates to big issues and small. So, enjoy the conversation. (laughs) We were talking about what are gospel issues. And, you know, we were kind of, you know, talking about some things that are you know it's like oh music styles and stuff and i was like yeah i mean music style is a gospel issue well i think some people think it is okay. or treat it as such but i threw i was like all right let's i said look i'm just gonna throw the big ones in there abortion same-sex marriage i said you could argue that those aren't gospel issues you can, know you can I ask a question because yeah. i would be confused what, is, what does it mean when you say gospel issue well that's exactly what i was getting at is so i, I didn't preach the sermon sunday um john did and he talked about the hills we want to die on. And he talked about how they need to be gospel issues. And not that I was taking issue with his sermon, but I kind of went in our, in our discussion group afterward, I was like, I said, so, you know, it's great to say that and to rally around that, but how do you define a gospel issue? Um, you know, I think I said, I think we need to work that out because some people would say some of these hot button issues are gospel issues because they call into question things that are foundational to 
believing the gospel at some point. Other people would say because they don't specifically, you know, within themselves counter the gospel, they're not gospel issues. So like, so there are people who would say abortion is a gospel issue because the Ten Commandments command thou shalt not murder. And if you undermine the Ten Commandments on that point, you've undermined the whole. And if you undermine the law in such a way, the gospel is then negotiated because the gospel is predicated by you understanding that you're condemned by the law or something of that nature. So there you go. So then it becomes a gospel issue. But other people go, no, it's not. Because I can believe that abortion is fine and also believe that Jesus died for my sins. Right? So so you have to define what you mean by a gospel issue. That's where I, I went with our this discussion group yesterday. So that's, you know, course we're live now so yeah and you are definitely going to use use this stuff but um but that's i I think in talking about something like same-sex relationships i threw that one in there too because i said there are people who are saying it's not a gospel issue because i can believe the simple gospel proclamation which is you know there's a god who loves people but hates sin and he died for my sins and he rose from the dead victorious But you could say, people will say with same-sex stuff, they'll go, well, I don't think that's a sin, so therefore that's not really on the table here. That doesn't really matter. It's not not a factor. Um, He died for my sins that I declare to be sins. And uh, so so it takes a little more work to decide what are gospel issues. Yeah, what hill you're going to die on. Yeah, and what hill you're going to die on, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's, I actually like this. This is interesting. This is a good discussion. Let's just roll with it. I like, no, I like this idea of what a gospel issue is because it's, to simplify what you said. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't simple? Well, you know, you use words like predicated and things like that. So we might need to simplify Wait, To it. be fair to our listeners, I am just accepting that this is part of the podcast. Yeah, I, I get Eric it. Eric starts recording. This happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but I'm good with it. So anyway, uh, yes. No, no, no. I think it's good. So you're saying there's two issues. One, um, you're basically saying, okay, there's the, the law and the law points out sin and when i undermine the law and embrace the gospel i'm not actually truly embracing the gospel so if i'm saying with the law the relationship between law and gospel is a complicated right thing right. yeah and it then this new testament spends a lot of time on it i think if you do the work the old testament spends a lot of time on it right. but it it's yes it's what is the law for Yes. That's the question. Yeah, which we could go into Romans, but we don't have time to do that. Right. So the other thing is you're saying, okay, well, other people look at this and say, well, the gospel issue is first and foremost that Christ died for my sins. The, the, we can argue over what sins are, but first and foremost, he's God. He died for my sins. He rose from the dead and offers me in a relationship with him now and in eternity. The most basic statement of the gospel possible usually is the leading idea. Right? Yes. And then, and then there's... You know, and usually there's some form of a desire to still be a part of that. Okay. Yeah. I think from folks where they're like, I do want to believe that, but I also want to live out of what you could call expressive individualism, right? Like I want to be able to be myself. And so I, I want to believe this gospel message. It's maybe because I like it. I'm drawn to it. Maybe because I grew up with it and I'm comfortable with it, whatever. And then... There's there, but there's this side that goes, but I uh, it all I also want to I want to be able to go ahead and affirm 
the things that I, th- I feel good about that are best for me in my, in my appraisal. I don't, I don't want to lay that down. And that's so, so I think when you start, when you ask what, what is a gospel issue and you start with the definition of the gospel, the, the simple definition of the gospel that can happen when you ask, I think big story of the Bible question, like if the whole of God's revelation in the scriptures is one entity and you ask, what is the gospel in there? That's a more complicated conversation, more nuanced. I I feel more helpful, but it's, but it becomes a lot more complicated because it goes, it starts to ask, how do we, I mean, why am I even coming to scriptures? What are these? If there is a God who's revealed himself, what has he revealed about himself? Who is this God and what do I do in response to his covenant? Um, What has he done to make it possible for me to keep covenant with him? What do I do in response to that? That is a gospel conversation, but it's a far more robust gospel conversation. That's, yeah. Right. No, I, I think you're you're correct. I think maybe coming at it from the other direction of simply saying, if I if I take just the new the New Testament simple story mm-hmm. of Jesus and his claims, and the early church's response to that and that process, what the New Testament explains to us, what seems to be underlined in that is that when it comes to these issues like abortion, same-sex marriage, or any other thing. Yeah, we're picking these because they're hot button. The part of what launched us into this was a magazine about same-sex marriage that came out, yeah. Overeating. um, Yeah, the whole list. Yeah, the whole list that we can, let's just, you mentioned the Ten Commandments, we'll just go with those. Like, I have to hold those, like, they have to all be in submission now to Christ, meaning that I have to be willing to say that they are what he says they are. Mm-hmm. And so part of then what you're saying in this very holistic way of understanding scripture um, with your seven categories that you laid out for <laughs> us um, is, uh, is where I'm going to wrestle. Yeah. That's where I'm going to wrestle. And I'm going to wrestle w- with an, um, an understanding that I think this text is cohesive and explains very clearly what those things are. I just, but they may require some work. Well, yeah. And then in that holistic conversation as well, I mean, if you're, if you're following my, my 10 steps to understanding the gospel, apparently or seven or 15 or whatever, I just gave us seven categories of systematic theology. Oh, you're welcome. I didn't even mean to (laughs) just the overflow of my heart. There you go. Um, (laughs) uh, the, if if the laws fit into the question of what would it look like to please God and keep his covenant, and then the answer is we are incapable of that, what has God done to make it possible for us to keep his covenant? And that's where the Jesus Christ, God, enters in the flesh, lives the life we should have lived sort of stuff occurs, right? So then what place do those laws have now? So they were – so then – they, so they showed us our need for a covenant-fulfilling God, which we have in, in Christ. And then they become our roadmap for how to please him, I would say, or something to that. They, 
do they or not matter anymore? Be if, in relationship, or in, if, yeah, and one another uh-huh. for that matter. Yeah, um, because the tables of the law, the first half is about our relationship with God. The second half is with one another. Love God, love others. Ah, simple church, simple messages. That, right. It all comes down to that, right? But um, so do you want to know what the law is? If it's what showed you that you need Christ, and if it shows you how to love God and love others, then you, yeah, you want to know. It doesn't, you know, but but they also don't justify you. They don't fix things. They won't make you feel good about yourself. There are a lot of things that they cannot do. Right. And and that's what and that's the hang up is people want to go to the laws to fix things, to justify themselves, to be better than others, to make themselves feel better. They will not do that for you. No. But they have a place. Yeah. Yeah. So then the struggle that we run into with these two major issues, one being abortion, the other being same sex marriage. I mean, these are two at the point at this point. I mean, there are others. These are culturally heightened issues yes. for us right now. Yeah. Right. So if we start with the same sex one, people's difficulty is twofold when I when I run into them and have talked with them and or even my own experiences in my past is this is how I feel, or this is how my friends feel. They have mm-hmm. these. They have same sex attraction or they feel a certain mm-hmm. way they they are they in their core identity who they are who they are yeah right so we have this identity thing yes so now when the rubber meets the road we're we're saying that this experience gender the identity of male and female is now meeting up against the gospel in a way mm-hmm. that uh is either going to embrace this new way of thinking about gender or it's going to say no there are some to lack of a better word, binary ways of understanding this. Um, and right. that's really difficult for people. Right. Because one, I... People hate that word binary. I know. Oh, man. In our culture, yeah, it's hard for me to say, like, I don't care. Like, like, come on, Andy. Like, you you have this experience, and so it's okay. Like, I'm... Right. I want to affirm that. I have, I have no right to, like, tell you... Who you are and what kind of experience you have. And and everything in me, everything in me wants to say that to everybody. Just to be, I think there are people out there that just want to go to war and they just want to trounce people. Personally, everything in me wants to be like, oh no, be who you are. I Please, I want you to be happy. You know, this is, though I I have convictions here, like my gut goes to just like, I don't want to step on your toes. That makes things complicated. Anyway, where were you going with that? Well, I think it's really hard for us to have a morality that's got black and whiteness to it that seems to go against something that isn't volitional. And that's outside of ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when it comes to the same sex one. Now, Now, don't you think that's hard for us when it pushes against ourselves, but when it pushes against somebody else, it's not hard for us. I mean, that's the. I think an interesting thing in this election cycle, or well, not even in the election, in the election something I've observed politically over the past six or seven years, is that in the mainstream media, even what you could call like a liberal leaning media, there's been a huge emphasis on there is truth. It doesn't matter how you feel about that truth. Truth is truth. Um, like science says the coronavirus is X, Y, and Z, and we should treat it this way. It doesn't matter how you feel about that, 
right? It's a very interesting reversal of what I'd seen in the past of where people that were coming from like this Bible-believing angle used to say that a lot more. And so I feel like it, we, we all have our areas in which we feel like it doesn't matter how you feel, like truth is truth and the law is law. Mm-hmm. And then there are areas where we're like, get that away from me. I don't, that goes against everything I, you know, don't tell me who to be, what to do. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, what else? We're done. We're done with the podcast. We're done with the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everything in me wants to not, to, to not be in a place where I have to say this is truth. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. Right. It, it's okay to wrestle with it and to feel like you don't want to line up with it. Um, or that it just feels unfair. Right. I mean, those are all, th- and we can wrestle through those, but truth is truth when it comes to at least the overarching view of God's understanding of sexuality and how he created us to be male and female and all of that. It's not just a couple little passages that you can cherry pick to say, oh, God's against homosexuality. It's an overarching from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 21-whatever. I always forget the last And it should convict us of way more stuff than just homosexuality right like and that's you know what so in this magazine article which is the banner um, actually it was the the main idea of the banner one, one of the pushbacks i've i've heard from people i don't think it it really you know undercuts this conversation but they're saying we put so much emphasis on this but we're not giving we'll be patient we'll be patient with somebody who's lustful and delving into pornography because we'll go oh well you know everybody struggles with that but then when people are, I mean, I've noticed that it's, you're giving me a face that's like, well, not always, but, but I've noticed that. Um, and then often in the church, and I think one of the critiques is when it comes to the same sex stuff, it's like, oh, you deal with that. Uh, see ya, you know? Right. And that's, that is a problem. Yeah. I don't think that means that the whole conversation is invalid. Right. But it is, that is a, is a serious issue. Well, and I think, you know, so gluttony. And choosing to live in this, to live out a same-sex relationship and a same, and and affirm those things are not the same thing. Right? Do does all sin lead to death? Yes, but so when you're getting at when people say sin is sin, it's all the same. No. Like and 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 I agree with you. Mm, no, because, like to to be jealous but, but, is sin, but to kill yeah, is worse. It's the best example. Is like yes, I lie to you. That creates a barrier in our relationship. I murder your daughter in front of you. Different sin. Because mm-hmm. it has a different impact on you. Does yeah. it? Does the consequence for my lie versus murder the same in eternity? Yes. And, and yeah, do they all alienate you from God? Yes. Sure. But there's still a judgment seat that is just. Right. And, and it's not just that God of the universe doesn't just go like, oh, you killed 500 people. And oh, you over here, you know, cheated at Monopoly 25 times. Same. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Um, now, part of the reason that we say it's the same is that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount does some working on the Pharisees who believe that they're better because they haven't committed particular sins. And he's saying, well, no, no. If you've thought things in your brain, if you've done, even looked at a woman, you've already, you're in the other camp already. Right. You've crossed into the, you've, You've done all the heart stuff behind the act. Yes. So you're there. You're there. You're you're partying with the rest of them. Yeah. 
But but I think as followers of Jesus, and we talk about a gospel issues, like God's design for humanity is an important one because the gospel always points us back to what the project that God began in the beginning before it was broken. Yeah. And, and because he didn't just say, ah, I'm going to create some people and then uh, my whole hope is that they screw this all up. Right. Like he understood the process and what was going to happen. But there was still an intent that was good. Yes. That was real and, and he meant it. And this yeah. whole the whole project is to bring people to a place where they that can be continued without the the brokenness of sin in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 so we have to look at that design and we have to wrestle with what God has given us as to what sexuality is. And as followers of Jesus, the gospel, I think when I think about well, a gospel issue, it's not a condemning of saying, "Hey, like you you are in a same sex marriage or you're." you have same-sex attraction, you don't belong here, and you can't be part. But you do need to understand that when you are part, what you're going to hear and what people are going to be encouraging you to is the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So they will be encouraging you, just like any other you, you won't You won't be coming into a place where it's just affirmation. You're going to come into a place that says, what was God's design and how do we walk in it? Yeah. And that's going to challenge us all. Yes, right. and, we, and it's going to challenge you differently than it challenges me as a heterosexual man, but it's still a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's, you know, and to be fair, what a lot of these folks who are who are kind of pushing back are saying is, are you challenging heterosexual men, really? You know, and I, and I believe that in, in, you know, I'm hearing you speak and knowing how you work in the village, I, I think you are. Um, but in the broader church world to whom this article was written, that's not a bad question. It doesn't undercut the point. Yeah. And sometimes that's, it's a, that's the goal of that is just to invalidate right. the decision. Or, or deflect. Or deflect. I, it, I mean, it's like saying I, I stabbed a guy and he's sitting there bleeding and you're like, well, we're going to have to arrest you. And you're like, well, yeah, I'm arrested. Those guys over there, they're doing the same thing. Right. I'm like, well, I don't care if they're doing the same thing. I mean, we're here. Like, Yeah, we're here. There's blood on the ground. You have the knife. Like, let's talk about it. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, but I think what it, it betrays, especially this conversation within the church, is that we deal with everything on the surface. Yeah. So what we're saying is this right or wrong? Is this, you know, okay, it's wrong. Okay, so now we set up ways of being based on it being wrong or based on it being right. Now we have to divide. Um, and, or, oh, no, you guys aren't dealing with this sin and this sin and this sin, so why are you going to deal mm-hmm. with this? Why is this one so major? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's because we deal with everything on the surface. Mm-hmm. We deal with gluttony on the surface. We deal with, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's all on the surface. That, that is absolutely a problem. And so I, it makes the conversation difficult because mm-hmm. there's no depth to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... The, makes the deflection the easy part of things. I mean, I think I think that the the question that your your dad would always ask of what's under the water line, mm-hmm. right? Like this is fortunate for you to have learned to think that way, and that was helpful for me to hear things from him and folks like him who went deeper on everything. You know, it's it's helpful because it's not just about the presenting issue ever. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, to shift over to the abortion uh, issue and bring in Jordan Peterson, I just recently mm. listened to him 
answer that question. And? And it was, again, a man who thinks deeply produces a profound answer. And mm-hmm. even if he is, I don't know if he follows Jesus or not. I haven't figured that out just yet. I, I don't think he would quite say that. I think he's a theist. I, yeah, I think he might be a theist. Yeah. yeah, But he says that, first thing he said, you know, he obviously said, wow, that's not a great, but thanks for the question. Yeah. <laughs> but he said somewhere, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase him, he basically said, as a clinical psychologist, let me first say that abortion is wrong. Uh-huh. Then let me say that there are a lot of things that are wrong that are legal. Uh-huh. And we are asking the wrong question if we are saying, should abortion be legal or not? We should be asking, mm-hmm. how did this woman get here today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to have this abortion? And he said, the answer that we will find to that question is that our culture does not understand sexuality. Mm. And it does not understand marriage and it does not understand family. And until we deal with those issues, we cannot deal with the should abortion be legal or not because it won't be useful to us. It's not useful. And, and, then he, and this is a, though Jordan Peterson tends to resonate with folks on the right, mm-hmm. this is a conversation that I believe Christians on the left are trying to have. Where yes. They're saying, I do care about abortion, actually. But I think that you're going at the tip of the iceberg and you're not looking at all this stuff under here that's creating these situations. And we, we, and some of them I think are even like, we would love to see the day when as a society, we decide this is illegal for ourselves. But, and that's, we're talking spheres. Now we're talking in society, not in the church, but that, that those people would also still say, there are so many things leading to this problem that just remain unaddressed while we fight about that, that we we are not actually getting at this issue at all, and we're actually making it worse. And so that's, whether that's compelling to you or not, there there are people, Christians in different camps, who are like, I want to get at that stuff. Yeah. And, and very deeply work on the factors that lead people to getting to this place to where they want to have an abortion and try to eradicate it that way. Right. Yeah. Which... He added one more thing to this. This is the part of the kind of, I, I thought it was interesting that he said that people are doing things in their bedrooms that they are unwilling to actually talk to each other about uh-huh. outside of their bedroom. Uh-huh. And so we've, we've created, our sexuality yes. is so screwed up yeah. that it's what is propelling abortion itself. Mm. And I was like, I don't think I'd ever hear like Christians aren't articulating it mm-hmm. this clearly. Um, and so I don't know. I, 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 yeah. And I just guess. Do you think that's cause we as Christians often don't, it's hard cause you don't want to just have the political cultural conversation. You get told that you're being political if you do that, no matter what it is. Sure. Um, but we, you know, so often when I interact with, other pastors we get into views I, I, you know recently a good friend of mine like I love so much but he was talking about some of the the different views people might have on things in his church and and I said to him I said I don't think your people are thinking about any of that I don't think they think about any of it I think you're thinking about it and wondering where they're at on it but um, and maybe it'd be good to help them understand that they do have a view they're not aware of but I think they're coming in and they're just not there. We're like often as 
as Christian practitioners, we're in, we, we've got our heads in doctrines that nobody's thinking about. So that what Jordan Peterson is getting at there, there are beliefs behind what you do in your bedroom and why you don't talk about them. But he's got his pulse on like the beliefs as they're working out in the real lives of people. Right. Right. And I think often in churches, we have our finger on beliefs that are not and we don't know how they translate into the real lives of people. And we're not talking about that practical reality very much. Like, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think we could. And I think Christian doctrine does get there. But I think so often we're we're just talking a whole different game. Like, it's it's irrelevant. This gets back to the whole relevancy. I hate, you know, the church needs to be relevant. But it kind of does, right? It you, If it's not connecting with people's lives, I think you bring deep theological thoughts to bear on actual life stuff such as what do you do in your bedroom yeah yeah and and why won't you talk about it yeah why is this all i mean it's this is an interesting thing there's there's been this culture of like you know i don't know if this comes from counseling world or what but like this there's like a secrecy of you know we don't we don't talk about our inner lives in the church. We come here, we do things, we don't really talk. And even like if you do, that's bad. You've done a bad thing. If you right. Do. And that's but, but the reality is that's that's an influence of the culture. And sometimes we, we I think Jordan Peterson in a way opened my eyes a little bit and what he's saying, he's not saying it to Christians. He's right. talking to people who don't follow Jesus. Who are, I yeah. mean, certainly there are people there who do, but he's talking to a wide breadth of people, and he's saying people don't talk about what they're mm-hmm. doing in bed, and well, the and kinds you, of things they're embarrassed by, and and people love when they can in a weird way because there's Sexaholics Anonymous, right? Right. And what do they do? They have a, a space where you can say everything, right? Everything, and they make a deal that you're not going to get rejected for doing it, right? And they see results. They do. Yeah. And it's like, and the church should be a place because of the grace of God and because we know the role of the law, that it doesn't justify you, that we should be able to talk like that. Right. We should. But I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of shame when it comes to sexuality, but there's also, to go back a little bit to what you were talking about earlier, I I think there's a lot of, rules make things safe. If I have rules, then I don't have to worry about it. If sure. I believe this X, Y, and Z, and there's no gray to this, and I can just be like, no, you're out of bounds, you're out of bounds, I'm never going to do that, it, it, it feels safe. But then it also produces a lot of shame because I keep breaking all these rules that I've set up. They, yeah, they backfire on you. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I rage against you know, what's happening in our culture and, and same-sex marriage and pornography and all these things. And then I watch tons of rated R movies with naked people having sex and violence. And, and I'm like, well, that's fine. Sure. It's okay for me to have that come in my eye gates, but we can't have these things in society. Right. We need to, well, that doesn't make any sense. That is a great, a great irony, right? Of, of, yeah. If you, anyway, yes. And so we have these, yeah. So but rules keep us safe because right. I can tell you, you know, stay your distance. Don't do that. Right. And, and I think. Well, and then that's, and that's the shame because when the rules are there and then you go and you watch the movie that you in, inwardly know, you really like, why did I enjoy that so much? And then 
you can't talk about that because it violates your own rules. And then yeah. you'll be found out to be a rule breaker. Yep. Yep. So you just don't really, don't really go there. And then you have pastors conferences where the porn usage in the hotel goes up and Carl Lentz falls off the wagon and stuff like that happens. That's the culture we build. Yeah. Where that can, that well, breeds. You just, you just informed me of a whole new thing. I had no idea of that. Yep. Oh, jeez. Yep. Uh. Yep. And it's, and it's, and it's hard and it's sad and it, and it makes us all look like fools. But, but that's unfortunately when we don't believe the gospel and believe it holistically and, you know, we get there. So, so let's, you know, let's, let's move in a good direction. Yeah. Not that we aren't in a good direction, but I, I like what you just said. If you don't believe the gospel, how does believing the gospel transform me? And what does it mean in, like you were saying earlier, for the gospel to invade my bedroom, the gospel to invade these different areas? Yeah. I mean, what does that mean? Well, well I'll, I'll give you one example that I, I talk about this with, with folks. I'll say, so... You know, say say I get into a good conversation or, or something in the form of a you know a pastoral meeting with some folks, and they're it comes out that they're they're struggling with you know s- s- sexual temptation, lust, whatever whatever it is, something in the bedroom. Something I've found to be very true is say, look, here's here's what happens when we don't believe the gospel. What we we do is the moment we slip. The moment we're like, I wanna, I wanna touch them. I wanna, I wanna go the next step. I wanna feel more of this. I, I like this. I, there's this part, this shame that comes in that goes like, I'm dirty, I'm dirty, I'm bad. And then I think the next, the temptation, what the enemy does is comes in and goes, Yeah, you are. So what difference does it make? And you just, you know, the night is shot. I suck tonight, and you just let it happen. And you wallow in it and you make a promise to yourself and to God that you'll try to do better next time. Right? Yeah. And the next time comes along and you start to go, well, I already crossed this line. I'm already kind of marred. It's kind of who I am. So I can, I'll just cross it again. What difference does it make? Right? Like that's the, that's what happens when it's about the rules. What the gospel does is it does literally invade the bedroom. And because it's like the moment that you have that feeling, what you can fight with is I am in Christ, a new creation. Christ is here with me now and I can look to him in the middle. I can be, I can have, I can be taken off my clothes, jumping into bed and realize this. And I can sit there and, and come to him and say, I need you help. And he is present with you. That slip you've made that got you to this point. It didn't throw you off the edge in Christ. You are a new creation. You, the old has gone. The new that you're the old is gone. The new has come. You can sit with him right in the middle of this. You can pray halfway through a sin and, and be restored. Right. Right. And, and, and because of, the power of the gospel like it can it can invade these moments you're not a piece of junk you're you're a sinner saved by grace you can you can meet him right there right in the middle so that's one way that i've worked that out is there i think the the law and the enemy want to tell you you're 
your lost cause, you blew it. Just so what difference does it make? God never says that to, to his children. He never says what difference does it make. You can, you can stop at any point and just meet him right there. And you can, right after the failure, you can fall on the floor and he's with you right there. So that's, I think, that's one way. I, how about you? Well, I'm just pondering what you are saying and thinking that that only works if before the temptation I've been nurturing some relationship with Jesus. A hundred percent. Because I you, have you to can't, have something anchored to. You, you're, what you're doing in that situation is you're calling on something you've decided mm-hmm. and that you've become convinced of, right? That, that you're, you're pulling on a rope that's tied to an anchor. At yeah, that point, yeah. yep. So, so here, here, yeah. I mean, what I think, and I would completely agree with you, and just add one thing to it in getting you there. And I think this is where the church has messed, not messed, has not really understood how to work the gospel out together. Yeah, and that is, you know, in Hebrews chapter two, verse one, it talks about drifting away from yes. your salvation. And, and I and the idea I think there, and it's all the way through Scripture, is that you and I are called to continually talk about what God has done mm-hmm. and what He is doing. And the question we should be asking one another is not "What'd you do this weekend? How was your week?" But really, the question we should be asking one another, especially within the community of God, is "What has God done?" Mm-hmm. Because when you and I um, are in the, the the mindset of what has God done, then when you end up in the space of temptation, yeah. you have this this like huge story of yeah. what God has done, and so it's not like you're all alone. You're, it's like I've been with this person all this time, yeah. and I know they're available. They're there with me in the midst of this. And there's layers of the story. I think we're we're better in the church at like what has God done historically, mm-hmm. and what you're adding to that is like I don't think you're getting rid of what has God God done historically at all. But you're saying, but what has God done like lately, and yesterday, and this morning? Yes. To where you're anchored in, I am in a story with God, a God who is present in my life, so that when that stuff comes, that lie has far less power. Well, and I think the the wit, you know, the cloud of witnesses. You, when you have a community that is continually talking to you and with you about what God has done in their lives, you don't enter into these spaces of temptation when it comes to food, all the way up to your own sexu- sexuality, where you're alone. Right, like where you have a sense of aloneness, because part of staying close to God is being with God's people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's a reason that Hebrews ten twenty five says that we should gather together more. We see the day coming, yeah. because the the more pressure, the more anxiety of our culture and world, the lo- easier it is to slip out of the gospel and just throw our hands up and say, "Oh, it's all." Like it's just terrible, and I just need to get relief out of this. I need to. Mm-hmm. I need to. And I've and I've noticed a lot of people in that space, and I've felt that this has been a spiritual issue, like a battleground sort of situation. That people who feel that way are are drawing away from God's people. Yes, they're feeling that way, and they're going. What I need to do is, I need to find this somewhere else. Right. I need I need to draw away from my people who know me. 
even maybe go somewhere where nobody knows my name. Right. Yeah. Which is not going to get you there. Right. Cause God's people are going to push you and yeah. God's story isn't going to leave you where you are. It's not going to affirm everything you like. No. Yeah. No. In any category. <laughs> in, any, in any category. This is true. And it, I think one thing I appreciate about Keller is he says, like, if, if you don't have a God that challenges you, you, you have an idol. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if you have a God where you're doing all the work and hoping that something magically happens in you, yeah, you, you, have, have, a, you have an you, idol. <laughs> you're, you're trying to do magic. Yes. <laughs> you're trying to work with the genie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Well, that's, uh, who knew we'd get there from, uh, the the banners article on yeah relationships. well uh, so, yeah i guess the honest confession is neither one of us really knew what we wanted to talk about today hey hey that's all right well that's hey just a reminder of what our podcast is about folks we're sitting down to a breakfast conversation i showed up with food yeah um and uh and this is a non-scripted time. This isn't meant to be the village and the mission church's official positions on things. This is two pastors having a conversation. You're invited. So thanks for sitting with us, and we appreciate it. Yeah.